You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications. And this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, as I'm sure you all know, a couple weeks ago there was a major fire at a Tyson beef processing facility in Holcomb, Kansas. And it's been shut down ever since. And it's not really clear when it may reopen. Uh, and this has obviously had a major impact on the markets as well as many other segments of the industry. Uh, NCBA has been working on this since the fire happened. And on Thursday night, we hosted a conference call for our members to bring them up to speed on the situation. Uh, and so today we decided to make the audio of last night's call available to the public as this week's podcast so that everybody, NCBA members and non-members alike, can have access to the latest information. So without further ado, here is the audio from Thursday night's conference call featuring NCBA's Senior VP of Government Affairs, Colin Woodall, and Kevin Good of Cattlefax. Well, thank you for joining us this evening for an update on the cattle industry uh, as a result of the fire at the Tyson plant in Holcomb. It's 7.01, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, everyone at NCBA understands that impact of this fire on the cattle industry, and I assure you NCBA is monitoring the situation and doing all that we can to ensure that our industry returns to normalcy just as quickly as possible. We know that many of you have suffered financial losses as a result of the fire, and we're committed to doing everything in our power to limit the financial impacts being felt by cattlemen and women across the nation. Tonight, we'll hear from Kevin Good, Senior Market Analyst at Cattlefax. Kevin will provide an update on the markets and insight about what lies ahead in the wake of the fire through the fall and early winter. Following Kevin, NCBA Senior Vice President for Government Affairs, Colin Woodall, will discuss the work NCBA is doing to ensure that impacts on our industry are minimized. Thank you again for joining us tonight. I'll now turn it over to Kevin Good. Thank you, Jennifer. It's nice to be with you this evening. As we think about the events of the last two weeks, I think we're going to go back and, and start from the beginning as far as what our challenges were before the fire and how the system has been stressed since the fire. And, and with that said, we need to recognize that we're in the sixth year of cattle expansion. During that time frame, total head count has increased 6.2 million head. Beef cows have increased 2.7 million head. An additional 150,000 dairy cows have been added to the herd in the last six years as well. And so as we started this this episode, we had more cattle in the system. Uh, cattle on feed numbers estimate July 1 was up uh, roughly a million head compared to the last five-year average, which is record large. And so you had record large cattle on feed numbers. In addition to that, a disproportionate large number of those cattle are located in the central and southern plains. In Texas, on-feed numbers up 100,000 compared to a year ago. Kansas, 120,000. Colorado, 100,000. And partially the reason there would be because of the tough winter up in Nebraska and Iowa last year. Didn't place as many cattle, so their on-feed numbers are actually below a year ago. In addition, we need to recognize in the state of Kansas, we've increased bunk space by roughly a quarter million head as we think about it uh, over the last uh, three years. So we got big supplies from a historical standpoint. They're located where this packing plant uh, fire took place. 
And also, as we think about the placed against supplies, typically our peak placed against supplies are in the month of August. This year, they're in the month of September. And the biggest year-over-year increases in cattle on feed numbers or placed against numbers are actually out there in SEP, AUK, and NOVE. And so we have this year what we would express as an expansion year seasonal from a supply standpoint, which bigger supplies later into the fall. And typically in these types of environments, we find our lows in fed cattle prices out there in September and October. So we were already set up from a supply standpoint and a cycle standpoint to have some tough sledding. On the other side of the equation, we think about the packing capacity issue that we've we're dealing with today. If we go back and just think about where we've been as an industry, and we go back to the turn of the century, from 2000 to 2015, we saw a 7 million head on an annual basis reduction in fed slaughter during that time frame. The packing industry responded by taking off roughly 5.5 million head of capacity to downsize to be more in tune with the smaller cattle herd, and of course the last six years we've seen increasing supplies where we haven't been able to find many new shackle spaces, and therefore we've got the squeeze or the leverage that is the challenge. With that said, as a backdrop, let's just dig into some of the numbers. The Holcomb plant roughly killed 6,000 6, on a daily basis. If we think about that, that represents about 6.2 of what we would consider the U.S. fed slaughter. And as we think about that number, uh, we need to recognize, looking in the rearview mirror, the biggest kill so far in 2019 from a monthly standpoint was the month of June. Monthly June slaughter levels on a, from a weekly standpoint were 538,000 head. We're forecasting as we go through the remainder of the year, from here in late August all the way through December, that we need to harvest roughly 518,000 head. You know, that's a 20,000 head on a weekly basis decline compared to that June number. But at the same time, assuming that the 6,000 head we've lost, multiplied by five, that's 30,000 on a weekly basis, that tells us that we're still about 10 thousand head on a weekly basis shy of what we need to do as we go through the remainder of the year. Now, as you think about the events of last week, and we'll go into a little more detail from a market standpoint, but last week beef prices went up, live cattle prices went down, margins increased dramatically, which incentivized the packing community to increase slaughter levels. If we're assuming a 97,000 daily slaughter with Holcomb, Without, it's 91. Now, if you look at the daily slaughters through last week and so far this week, they've been generally at 90, 91, 92, and even one estimated at 93. We'll talk about why we're, we think we'll see some of those kills at 92 to 3, which is above the stated slaughter capacity because we're going to harvest some of the fed cattle in the two-way plants, cows that, or plants that also can kill cows. The spot, though, that we can make up the most ground is on Saturdays. And if we think about what occurred this past Saturday, we harvested 64,000 cattle. That would be one, if not the biggest, Saturday slaughters for a non-holiday week that we've seen in a number of years. Incentive was there, and so more hours were put in. 
And so the bottom line is, last week we ended up harvesting 519,000 head, right at what we think we need to do for the remainder of the year. Now, we know there's challenges as we go forward in here. As we think about it from a big-picture standpoint, where can we get more, more kill capacity? Obviously, the Saturday kills are number one, and we think last week is a very good example of that. How can we make up some of the other differences? Well, one that we think we're seeing on a daily basis is we've got some of these two-way plants that kill both fed and cows, harvesting more fed cattle than they normally would because of the profit incentive making more money harvesting fed cattle than, than cows right now, put a few more fed cattle into that mix. In addition, we're going to see more cattle move, and you're already starting to see this, to available shackle space. From a geographical standpoint, you've got some excess shackle space on an average basis in the Pacific Northwest and also in Alberta, Canada. If you think about that, what should happen is already happened. The fed cattle market in the U.S. moved lower last week. The Canadian market held its ground better. The, because of that, we should expect that less cattle will come in from Canada. We'll harvest more cattle in the Pacific Northwest, not only of cattle that are on feed in that particular region, but also you will see cattle moving out of the northern plains or even central plains into that area to be harvested. So those are some of the ways that we think that we'll continue to see uh, some of the loss in capacity offset. Uh, we can't rule out that maybe we'll see some Sundays put in from a, from a slaughter standpoint. You know, that's, that's something that really hasn't happened in our industry for quite some time. You can go back and I think I believe it's 1998. We saw that in the hog industry for a period of time there. So we can't rule out anything uh, as we think about the what's going on in the market today. Market effects. Well, if we just take up the market effects and look at last week in particular, you had two things taking place. The industry, particularly the end user, thought that there was going to be less product available, and therefore they scrambled because they had a lot of product booked for Labor Day coming up, and they needed to fill those orders. The beef market was already moving higher before this event, but it exploded. It was up $25 as through yesterday. Today, it's $2.50 lower. Look for the value of product to, to move lower now that we've got the bulk of the Labor Day business done. Seasonally, the beef trade trends lower into a low and late SEP, early AUK. That will be the case again. We'll probably give up most of those gains over the next few weeks. At the same time, if you look at what happened in the markets, last week, Fed cattle prices were down 5 to $7, depending on north to south. This week, it looks like they're going to be up $1 to $2. We're going to see some recovery. Futures last week in the live side were down 7 to 10. So far this week, they're up 3 to 5. Look at the other classes of cattle, feeder cattle and calves. Last week, averaged 5 to 10 lower. Futures were down 10 to 12. This week so far, we're seeing cash feeders and calves up 3 to 5. The feeder futures have recovered 6 to 10. And so we have seen the market big overreaction to start with. We've bounced back. We've got some stability in here as we think about it. But we need to recognize we're by no means out of the woods. As we think about what we've got to do, as we think about over the next 30, 60, 90 days, there's no timeline that's been published as far as when this plant will come back online. So we have to assume until we know otherwise that the market will, will trade uh, what we've got to deal with, and that is 
We have to continue to see incentive to harvest big numbers, week in and week out, and on Saturdays. We also need to recognize the seasonality that we've got bigger seasonal supplies still in front of us. And also we need to recognize the seasonality of the product side. Typically you get a little bump for Labor Day business. You got a big bump this year. Market will come back down the ladder rather quickly in our opinion. And you still have to struggle as you go through September and October before you start to get your late year holiday buying that pushes it from there. So with that said, and as we think about where we're at within the markets, I think we just need to recognize that uh, we'll take it one week at a time. Last week, in our opinion, that slaughter level is a win. That was very good to see that the industry could step up in that segment and harvest that many cattle. Hopefully that trend will continue as we go forward. If it does, we'll maintain some currentness and the market will not get as tough. If, for whatever reason, the slaughter levels fail, we'll start to back some cattle up and the market will have additional risk. Recognize that the risk of the lows are still in front of us. I think that's the bottom line. We just need to keep slugging it out uh, with what we've got today is a challenge. But uh, as an industry, fortunately, as an industry, there's plenty of dollars coming into the industry because of strong demand. Uh, that's going to help us out as we go forward over the next few months. With that, I'm going to turn it back to Jennifer. Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate the information, the work you all have done, and we thank you for continuing to provide us with market information each week. At this time, I'd like to introduce Colin Woodall, NCBA Senior Vice President for Government Affairs. Colin and his team have been working with the administration and other government officials to ensure our industry returns to normal as quickly as possible. Colin, I'll turn it over to you now. Thank you, Jennifer. NCBA's role in this was to make sure that the federal government regulatory framework was one that would help us recover, not hinder the recovery. So immediately we contacted the National Economic Council at the White House to inform them of the fire, inform them of the situation, and what we anticipated to happen in the markets, and also try to pass along as much information as we knew about what the industry would try to do in order to uh, move cattle, move beef, and try to recover. After that, we went to the United States Department of Agriculture, where we talked with Secretary Purdue's staff to do the same, also to talk with other agencies in order to make sure that they were aware of the situation. We talked with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, and also both the House and Senate Ag Committee staff to make sure that they were aware. Awareness was key in this discussion with all of the federal agencies, so that way they knew what was going on, would not be surprised, and could help us try to address the requirements and the needs as we looked at recovery. The first major requirement was to make sure that we were able to move federal inspectors around to other plants and also to work longer shifts and weekend shifts, as Kevin had just talked about. Fortunately, we had a tremendous amount of cooperation from the Food Safety Inspection Service, specifically Dr. Mindy Brashears, who is the Deputy Undersecretary and the Head of Food Safety at USDA. Dr. Brashears understands the cattle industry in her previous role uh, working with our industry, and so she knew that she needed to act, and she did. And she has been coordinating with all the packers to make sure that the inspectors are there. And to date, we have not had 
any phone calls or concerns about the availability of the FSIS inspectors. As we all know, it's not just the FSIS inspectors that have a role in making sure that product is going out to the retailer. We also have to make sure that the Agricultural Marketing Service, the AMS, is also providing the graders, another essential function of cattle processing. We worked with Undersecretary Greg Eibaugh. Undersecretary Eibaugh is in charge of marketing and regulatory programs at USDA, and the Agricultural Marketing Service is under his purview. As many of you know, Undersecretary Eibaugh comes from the cattle industry. He is one of us, so he knows firsthand what is required to uh, get product out to the retailers, and so he also stepped up very quickly to make sure that the graders were provided the flexibility needed in order to move around. Much like with the FSIS inspectors, uh, we have not seen a problem yet with the ability of getting AMS graders where they need to be in order to grade that product. So we've been very thankful to Secretary Purdue, Undersecretary Eibaugh, and Dr. Brashears for their quick action. Uh, we have also had uh, quite a bit of follow-up with them, not only last week, but also throughout this week, just to touch base, make sure that we are passing along information, and again, making sure that we as NCBA are aware of any issues that may be popping up in terms of providing those inspectors. Uh, we also have a lot of buy-in from our friends on Capitol Hill, both Republicans and Democrats, who have been very concerned about this situation including Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas, who has uh, made it a priority to step in and help look at uh, the issues here. Also, Chairman Pat Roberts uh, from Kansas, Chairman of the Senate Ag Committee, and they also have helped make phone calls to federal agencies in order to uh, show the uh, overarching support from Capitol Hill for our needs and also to show the importance of a very quick recovery. Uh, the inspectors are not the only part of this discussion, however. Undersecretary Eyeball is also in charge of the Packers and Stockyards Division of the Ag Marketing Service. Uh, they have the authority to regulate Packers Stockyards, and their role is to make sure that the market is working. And so we have made it very clear in the conversations with Undersecretary Eyeball that uh, our expectation is that they do everything they can to ensure that market is working. Uh, the Undersecretary Eyeball and the Packers and Stuckers Division staff have uh, stayed very close with uh, the analysis of the market, uh, including the information that Kevin shared with you to ensure they know what's going on. Undersecretary Eyeball also put out a press release last week making it very clear that he was taking his role as the head of the Packers and Stockyards Administration uh, very seriously and uh, was taking his duty very seriously and made sure that the contact information was provided for the Packers and Stockyards Division office in Denver for anybody who has uh, reports or concerns that need to be passed up for uh, analysis, review, and potential investigation. We also contacted Chairman Tarbert at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, CFTC. We uh, not only contacted him, but the other four commissioners uh, to make sure that, once again, they were aware of the situation, and much like with the Packers and Stockyards Division, to make sure that the CFTC market oversight function was active and uh, paying a particular eye to what was going on within the futures markets, also providing to them as much information as we had on the situation. Uh, we have had multiple 
conversations back with Packers and Stockyards and CFTC to exchange information and also try to get any reports that they have come up with. To date, neither market oversight uh, agency has had any indication of collusion or market manipulation. But this discussion is not done. As Kevin said, there is much more to come in this recovery. And so we are making sure that we stay engaged with them moving forward to uh, to look at any anomalies uh, in order to uh, track those down as quickly as possible. There's also a function here where we need to have more cooperation from the U.S. Department of Transportation. Uh, we are trying to move cattle as quickly as we can in order to make sure the uh, channels of commerce are working as efficiently as they can. So two things that we are asking of DOT, one is a waiver of the hours of service for cattle haulers, and also we have followed up with an additional request that they waive the weight restrictions on federal highways, knowing that that would be a door that would open to help us uh, work with the individual states to lift some of the state requirements. Uh, so far, they have not granted our request, so we have gone back to Capitol Hill and utilized uh, several of the senators and House members. Uh, another one who has been extremely helpful in this has been Senator Deb Fisher from Nebraska, uh, she serves on the Oversight Committee, the Authorizing Committee for the Department of Transportation and has stepped in and is working with Secretary Chow to help us find a way to get these waivers granted. Uh, as we continue to tell the Department of Transportation, uh, their action, their slow action is uh, causing a ripple effect within our industry and that we needed their action last week. Regardless, we are going to stay on them until they grant these waivers, so hopefully we can provide some relief if, if possible. Uh, the Department of Transportation is very focused on safety, and so trying to show them the safety record of our industry has been a key component of getting them to uh, stay at the table with us to talk about this waiver. Uh, so we will continue to push on that waiver, and we will make sure that when we have more information on uh, action and execution of waivers, that you are contacted and made aware via all of NCBA's communications devices, whether that is the National Cattlemen newspaper, our Beltway Beef podcast, and weekly newsletter, uh, also through our website, Facebook, and our other social media platforms. So for those of you who have not signed up for our social media, we encourage you to do so to make sure that you are getting all of the information just as soon as it comes out of NCBA. So we are not done with this discussion. Again, uh, we stay engaged with USDA, with the CFTC, with DOT, and Capitol Hill until uh, we are certain that uh, everything is back on track and moving forward as it should. So this is not a one-and-done for NCBA. This is one that we continue to remain active on. Jennifer, with that, I'll turn it back to you. Thank you, Colin, for that update, and thank you to you and your staff for all your work on this issue, and certainly keep it up. Thanks to all of y'all who joined us this evening. We know that this fire has created major headaches and financial stress for our industry. If you have additional questions, please don't hesitate to contact NCBA or your state cattlemen's associations, which have all been working closely with us on this issue. As Colin talked about, we're going to continue to push out all the information that we have so that you're as informed 
uh, is that we can make you an addition to uh, the social media. If we don't have your email, uh, please contact the office because we do do email, direct emails that also uh, help keep you informed. We appreciate each one of you and all that you do for the cattle industry each and every day. And I can assure you that NCBA will continue its focus on this issue until Tyson's plant is up and running again and our markets have stabilized. Thank you and good night. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Check us out online at policy.ncba.org and follow us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening.